Welcome back to Indie Comics. We have an amazing show for you today. I know I always say that, but this is with a very special guest, uh, a friend of the Grand Geek Gathering, Hannibal Taboo. How are you? I'm as crazy as a horse with no neck, but I'm making it work. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that one before. See, because he can't reach down to get his food. It makes him crazy. Oh. What about a giraffe with no neck? Could you imagine? Uh, it would be equally crazy, yes, because they're used to eating <laughs> things up high. Yeah, so that'd, that'd be pretty nutty, too. Well, welcome. Um, right before this, I was just saying you must have been on Indie Comics before, but you have not. You've been on Unnecessary Debates a bunch of times, a bunch of other podcasts, but welcome to Indie Comics. Uh, we're, we're so excited to have you. I also have my amazing co-host and partner it's in me. life, Brandon. Brandon. I am here. Uh, <laughs> Brandon Teamwork. Is here. He's been, we've been watching My Hero Academia. I'm sorry, but I'm not that sorry. I need to start that. Everybody's telling me I it's need to start really that. It's really good. I, I forced her to watch it. He literally just turned it on. It was like, we're watching this. Okay. <laughs> but now all I'm really into it. We, we're all caught up. It's very good. And I think a new season's coming out. This podcast is about comics <laughs> most of the time. Um, Hannibal, can you kind of tell us a little bit about, you know, like, let's start at the beginning. How did you get into comics? What's your origin story? Oh, what, what ridiculous times those were. All right. About <laughs> what feels like a thousand years ago, back in the haughty year of 1999, I worked at a one of those dot coms and it was called eHobbies. They were thinking about buying a new company so i basically tricked them into buying this company called next planet over in the bay area which sold comic books and collectibles then they were like well we need someone by to run content can you run the interviews sure whatever i interviewed this guy who we ultimately hired named eric stevenson now i'm not really sure what happened to him but i had a feeling he was going to go on to big things one way or another uh (laughs) and eric uh recommended the idea he was like you should be reviewing comic books i was like why should I be reviewing comics? He's like, well, you've been doing stuff for Vibe and Rap Pages and The Source and MTV. Why not do comics? Because you might actually be able to get into writing this. Because you ever think of writing comics? I was like, no, I didn't. I'm not. <laughs> Eric essentially kicked me in the pants uh, to get me to start reviewing comics, which ultimately led to the buy pile, which I took to UGO.com and then to Comic Book Resources. And now I'm reviewing it Bleeding Cool. That's um, amazing. Decades later. Um, Eric, of course, went on yeah, he went on to, of course, become the big head honcho at Image, Image Comics. And, you know, he's a industry legend now. Uh, and yeah, without me telling him, I entered the Top Cow Talent Hunt. And in 2000, well, yeah. And there were 11,000 stories and three of them won. And mine was one of them. And uh, oh my gosh, that was my first professional work uh, after getting the idea to start writing comics in 1999 and then fall starts and whatnot. But, you know, it's a it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint in that regard. So. Now I'm writing stuff fairly regularly and I've got a lot of stuff coming out this year and, you know, I'm just trying to stay busy and uh, uh, keep myself in the zeitgeist. Though. That's awesome. I love the word zeitgeist. Thank you for using that. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> like you write things for a living. Um, yes, ma'am. Which is very true. You know, like, how are you coping with everything right now? It's such an interesting and difficult, but also inspiring and creative time uh, to be a writer and especially a comic book writer midst of a global pandemic uh i honestly think i'm dealing with it pretty poorly uh but you know oh, no. uh, the, <laughs> the lights are on the kids are fed uh you know that's uh, the important stuff <laughs> I, i'm i'm putting on a mask when i have to go out to get something but i'm mostly getting things delivered uh my day job you know 
I always told them I could work remotely. And now they're like, all right, you were right all those years. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I'm just, uh, I, I keep my nose to the grindstone, but I don't know if that's exactly healthy. That may be, you know, you know, a manic work workaholism that's uh, avoiding the issues, but I'm not really sure. At this point. I'm not, a, I'm not a psychologist. <laughs> I personally feel that very strongly. Um, what, what, I mean, what about creativity though? You have so many things coming up in the next few months. Um, I mean, all of that was in process over the last year or probably a lot longer. Um, yeah. How has that been for you? Uh, it's been up and down. There's been uh, times, especially early in the pandemic, where it was really hard to get going. It was really hard to focus uh, because there was so much doom and gloom happening and then more doom and gloom happened and then even more doom and gloom happened. So it was really hard to focus for a long time. And then I had a period of almost frightening productivity where I was just churning out copy like crazy. Here's four scripts for this thing. Here's six scripts for this thing. Here's all the graphics for this thing, yada, yada, yada. And just pumping all that out. And I'm kind of somewhere in the middle now. I'm, I'm closer to the slower pace. Again, oh, I'm not a psychologist, but <laughs> I'm closer to the low tide now. Uh, but I've still got a number of things that I'm working on and uh, things that I'm trying to get ready for the second half of the year uh, to try to be make a strong showing as I did in the first. That's awesome. What do you have coming up? Tell us all about it. Well, okay. February, uh, there's three things coming out. The biggest one that I'm interested in is from uh, Wonderman Comics, which is a publisher I've done one, two, three titles with now. And uh, the new title we're doing is a three-issue miniseries called War Medicine. It's a supernatural historical fiction story that started out with three words, shaman versus voodoo. And uh, I took those three words from the publisher, Nate Wonderman, and fleshed it out into a, a, a lot of characters, a lot of settings. The story goes from Oklahoma to New Orleans to Liberia in 1866. So that was a lot of research involved there. And uh, it's it's a real, you know, it, it's it's a, what I like is that the, the main character is uh, this, this uh, female protagonist who's a shaman of her tribe. And she's a real Clint Eastwood, say very little kind of gritted teeth, traditional heroine in that regard. But she also is tender. She's, you know, there's also moments where you see her, you know, being friendly with children and, and take, you know, other things that are really, I think, important to show her as a whole person. Uh, so that's the first thing I have coming out. The second one was the Kickstarter success. Noir is the new black from Fair Square Comics. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. We were actually just uh, talking about that the other day with our um, our latest episode, I believe, actually, um, with Fabrice Sapolsky. Ah, uh, yeah, Fabrice. Fabrice actually is the person who got me going on the fourth book I have coming out this year, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, <laughs> but he also put me on this, which is an all uh, black creators doing noir anthology and comics, and it's it smashed the heck out of its goals on Kickstarter, and uh, it's going to be a really a really good looking book. I believe it's out by the middle of February, but I don't remember the exact date because time has no meaning. And the story that I'm doing there is one of this non-binary per, uh, person who uh, essentially seeks to avenge a wrong done on their community, uh, which is, you know, it, it again required a lot of research. I, I, I already had some stuff that I'd learned because uh, my oldest is, is trans and I'd been working with stuff that he'd been going through with the uh, LGBT center in Los Angeles. So I had some grounding in the research and I was able to translate that into a noir tale as best as I could, I think. Um, and then finally in February, I'm in a prose anthology called Cyberfunk, which is all black creators doing uh, cyberpunk. And 
I took the same character and did another story with that character, like in the same night. Uh, that happened in the same night. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so uh, that's really fun uh, that I got those two things. If you're going to read them in order, you should probably read the Cyberfunk one first and then do uh, Noir's the New Black, because that's technically the chronology of them in story. But, you know, they're each standalone. And, and if you never see the other one, each one of them works fine on its own. That is super cool. You have a lot of happening and a lot of very different things happening. <laughs> yeah. And that's just February because April is a whole other book from Humanoids Publishing. That's a that's the big the big dance number there. Oh my gosh. Well, we can get to that at the end. We've got a lot to talk about just with this. Um, what kind of inspired, I guess let's start with, with your first comic about the shaman. What inspired that? Well, I've worked with Nate Wonderman a long time. He's a, a boutique publisher out of Venice, California, and he uh, comes from Belgian real estate money. So he's got a whole other thing going on. Uh, but uh, he really just has a very specific aesthetic that he's trying to put forth. And we work very well together in creating that because while he has like, the first book we did was called Rational Numbers, and he said, and it was supposed to be called Romanian Vampire Saga. That's literally all he had was those three words. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and I took it and ran with that. Um, so he he he's he's a big picture person. He's but not a detail person. And I I dig down into the weeds and make things happen in a more uh, uh, technical standpoint for that way. Which is funny because I do that at my day job too. It's a good partnership um, then. Exactly. So. He, uh, he, he had this thing bouncing around his head and he's like, I can't do this. I can't figure this out. Can you do it? And he just gave me three words. And like the, sh the first character popped into my head the second he said it. I'm like, yeah, okay. I can do that. Yeah. And, uh, we were able to nail it down in, I think about four or five weeks. We were able to nail down all the characters and the basic outline for what we we're going to do. It's, uh, partially creator owned by me. So I own half of it. Um, other, other half is work by hire. But um, yeah, it's it's a really exciting project, and it's it's done in three issues, so it's not like a major commitment or anything. But uh, it's it's a real hard edged adventure tale set in the old west, and then in New Orleans, and then in Liberia. But yeah, there's just so much happening in the book. It's it's really it's really a thrill ride. What was it like writing historically? Because this is in different time periods. Um, that's got to be. You said you did a lot of research. That's got to be a huge challenge, but also really rewarding. Yeah, it's really difficult to search because as, as robust as Google can be, you know, when you are looking for specific pictures of, you know, New Orleans in 1866, that may be a little hard to come across. So you have to kind of wiggle some of those facts. Um, Nate Wonderman has a real taste for history. I mean, like if you go to his house, his bookshelves are like Roman hoplites and, you know, ancient swords and this and yada, yada. So he's that got a real awesome. taste for history. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> Can he invite uh, us all over? <laughs> <laughs> Not during a pandemic. Yeah, I was going to say post quarantine party. <laughs> so he's uh, the three books that we've done. Uh, actually, I guess all. Well, I guess there's four books now that I think about. They've all had a very strong historical and research based component. In irrational numbers, I was researching, you know, ancient Greece and Romania and and the uh, Romanian Revolution and a lot of things about Eastern Europe. And, in a, the book that we did, Scoundrel, I had to uh, research a lot about East L.A. in 1981. So, you know, like there's a very specific detail in the, the, the thing that like multiple people have come in. Like, how did you know this? Nobody knew this band. They're amazing. But, but nobody knew them outside of East L.A. because I worked with somebody who was working in radio in 1981 and he was able to give me some more information. That's awesome. 
So yeah, it's a lot of work doing these historical books, but I've been very happy with the product and I'm, uh, you know, I've been very happy with the work that we've been able to do together. That's wonderful. And it sounds like too, you know, something I've noticed as you're talking about your work is that you have, you know, a really strong female driven book and you have, um, obviously an amazing anthology raising up black voices and then you have this amazing lgbtqia plus you know book what is that like for you just representing not only you know your own demographic but but other people who you know need their voices raised up and and we need more stories about diverse characters um what does that mean to you well for me it means a lot of things in that you know i grew up in and I grew up, you know, a, a very weird black kid, you know, desperate for some kind of representation that just was not there. Uh, the best I could get was Lando Calrissian, and I would never be that cool. So <laughs> that uh, was our problem. I think I, I that. beg to differ. <laughs> You're very kind. You're very kind. Uh, so when I'm able to write something that 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 may speak to somebody or may give somebody something that they didn't have before, that's very important to me. You know, we have a gajillion slices of uh, how many Chris's do we have in movies right now? So, oh my gosh, you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm glad to get an Ninja or a Malik or, a, or something else that, you know, didn't normally get representation and show the humanity there and show the depths of these characters that these are lives and experiences that are universal, regardless of the specifics that may be different than uh, other things that people might know. That's incredible. And, and, and also, you know, really to get to, I think this is another level, but you talked about your son a little bit. Um, what has it been like creating stories for him? Because um, that's huge and really well, personal. Well, he's 17. So, of course, nothing I do is of any interest to him. So, <laughs> In like three or four years, he's going to love it. <laughs> he's like, oh, you at these comics again, whatever. So, <laughs> and, you know, that was that's that's a that's a feature, not a book. I was a teenager once myself. So, right. Uh, but. I do see, uh, you know, the likes of, well, well, let me put it this way. He used to be a humongous fan of Harry Potter, like mm. had all the books and memorized things inside and out, you know, uh, Gryffindor this, yada, 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 made us all take the Pottermore test. And then JK comes out doing the awful things that she does. And all of that was just ripped off of it. Just, I mean, mm. it would be like, it would be like George Lucas breaking out with a clan hood for me. Like, I'm like, oh no, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, I recognize the need and the the the, the shortness, the, the lack of availability of a lot of things for a lot of community. And moreover, yeah. that this is the thing that's really more important to me. That um, there was a in the 2010 census, there was a, a record that showed that a large percentage of people had never uh, had more than one interaction, or even less than that, with somebody who was outside of their race somebody who was mm. outside the demographic group. And this is like 60% of the United States. So uh, to, to open up these voices and to open up the, these experiences with research and sitting down with people and figuring out what is your life like? and what, How is it different? And how is it the same? And being able to translate that is important to let us all know uh, that the things that bind us are much more important than the things that separate us. I love that. And I think also, you know, you have so many, there's such a conversation about, you know, if you're not this, then you shouldn't be writing for that kind of character and so on. But I, I personally feel like it's so important that we have those conversations, that we're able to, 
you know, because then you also don't have diversity, right? Like, if you can only write, like, I okay, I can only write for a white woman now. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that would be a really boring comic, and we don't need more of that in the world. And so, you know, really taking the time to to talk with different people, to understand them, to understand, you know, making sure that you're doing things right. It's a lot of pressure, <laughs> but I think you can get really beautiful stories that are bringing all different kinds of people and perspectives together. And I, I think that's what you're accomplishing here. I'm really excited for your new work. Yeah, it's it's a it's a lot to take on, and it's a lot. It's yeah. it, I'm, I won't claim that it's easy because you know everybody. It's very easy to just sit down and as they teach you in write in school to write what you know. But mm. if you learn something new, you know that too. Yeah. And learning something really should be what it, I mean. It's what I try to do. I'm, it, I, I was always taught if I stop learning, I'm probably dead. So I, <laughs> I need to definitely you know keep growing and keeping keep figuring things out as I go. I love that. I always was bothered by write what you know. I like to write mm. what I don't know and learn on the way and make it better. And, you know, mm. that's how you learn. <laughs> Indeed. How did you get involved with uh, Noir's The New Black, which is an amazing project? I'm so excited. Um, and in what's your story like within it? And, and what's that experience been for you? Okay, to tell that story, I have to tell the story before it. So, oh, okay. um <laughs> All the for best Brees, stories are multiple parts, right? Basically, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's Issues the trilogy. Wait, way. wait for the next sequel to come out with JJ. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, uh, Fabrice uh, reached out to me. Uh, I can't even remember what year this was because it's so long ago um, since I've written this. He reached out to me and asked me to come over to the offices of Humanoids where he was working at the time, and um, he lays out this elaborate plan to me. He's like, we're going to do this publishing line. We're going to do all these books and these superheroes and all these stories. I'm like, oh, this is super interesting. He's like, no, it's not. Forget about that. That's all trash. Don't worry about it. I'm like, what? He's <laughs> like, no, it's not trash. It's all going to be great, but it's not for you. What's for you is even better. I'm like, even better? Okay. <laughs> I like regular gigs, but what could be better? And he's like, there's not another writer that knows comics and knows music the way that you do, having written for so many music magazines and so on. So he pitched this idea of a, a graphic novel set in Minneapolis around the time the Prince was coming into his own musical. And I had done a significant amount of research about that already, not as much as I have now, but I had a really good grounding in the material. And Fabrice is a super fan. He's got this stuff memorized back, back and forth. So we came up with the idea for MPLS Sound, which eventually we brought on Joe Illich as a co-writer. Uh, and it's a... Uh, big graphic novel but it's a multi-year project it was a big big thing so i finished my part humanoid sent me a check i spent that check going to ghana i went on my, about my business <laughs> <laughs> and fabrice we're always talking at conventions back when we had conventions and we're always catching up with each other and he reaches out to me he's like i want to do this new project this new noir project because you know how i love noir i made spider-man noir i'm like yes fabrice i know you made spider-man noir you say it every day <laughs> <laughs> I love talking to you back to back too. <laughs> I have such a clear picture of Fabrice in my head now too. <laughs> I'm joking. He's, he's great. So he, no, he he's wants me to come along and and work on this thing. And I'm like, all right, sure, whatever. He's like, do you know somebody who you can work with quickly who knows your voice, an artist that you really believe in? I'm like, yeah, I got a guy. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I called up my my partner in crime from the Operative Network, Quinn McGowan. We both do the. Uh, webcomic project wildfire and uh quinn was like uh what's the assignment what's the gig i'm like let me just let you talk to fabrice he talks to fabrice comes back he's like why didn't you introduce me to this guy before i'm like i introduced you to him at comic-con he's like oh that was him (laughs) so 
we start working on the outline. We figure out what we're going to do. It's six hard edge pages. It's super gritty. It's super immediate and raw. But uh, it also, like I said, it also focuses on issues that, despite the fact it's set in the future, are as, as immediate yeah. to us as they are today. That is awesome. I'm so excited for that whole project. It's really cool that you're part of it. Um, and, and some really great things coming from Fair Square. Mm-hmm. So should we move on to your April adventure? Ah, yes. April. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so much. Okay, so I told you a little bit about MPLS Sound. So MPLS Sound is a big book. It's really because, I, you know, I've been writing 22-page books. You know, I, I did uh, 12 issues with uh, Wonder Man on Time Corps. I did six here. I did four there. So, you know, but I'm like, okay, yeah, I could eyeball a 22-page book and pretty much guess what I'm going to do outlining. A bigger book is a bigger challenge. It's a lot of work. What? <laughs> I bet. It's a lot. So uh, <laughs> I was very happy with uh, when Joe Illich came on board as a, a co-writer because his experience and his the depth of his knowledge as well, because he was actually, he, I think he's a little older than me. So he has as much of a grounding that, but more immediate because he could go out more in some of the scene that I, I could at that time. I think I was, I don't, know, I don't even know how old I was probably back then. I was definitely in elementary school. But um, so, yeah, the, uh, the project as a whole, it was probably three years worth of work because I, I turned in the script a long, long time ago. Wow. Uh, and, you know, but we've been refining it with the people at Humanoids. We've been refining it with uh, things going on with the artist, uh, who's fantastic. we got Jen Bartell, who's from Minneapolis, to do the cover. Oh my gosh, I love Jen. It is dazzling. I bet it is. That's awesome. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm. It's it's a humongous uh, uh, accomplishment, and the publisher is very enthusiastic about getting this book out here. They wanted to get it out last year, but who wants to put put a book out last year? (laughs) It's fair. (laughs) And uh, yeah, we're finally gonna uh, let people see it this April uh, from Humanoids Publishing. What are you most excited about for it? Um, well, and uh, I've I've never been a, a real you know uh, oh I've never really really been a high level writer you know I've, I'm a tradesman I work you know down in the dirt so when humanoids uh, were talking to me about this and they're like oh yeah we want to make sure the publicity's right so when we, when we start the Eisner campaign I'm like you're gonna do what now <laughs> <laughs> so doesn't surprise uh, us. Well, that's very kind. Uh, the idea of, of uh, having that kind of spotlight, even even to be considered worthy to promote at that level, that they want to spend the marketing budget to make that happen, you know, is enormously humbling. Uh, it's it's enormously gratifying to see the work, uh, you know, manifest. In this world. That is awesome. Um, we will certainly be rooting for you. Really excited to see all of that and, and to read the comic. Um, mm. Something I really like to ask our, our uh, visitors, our guests uh, is really about, you know, and you can pick a particular comic or your entire body of work, but what do you hope people get out of your work? Um, what do you hope people will kind of walk away with? One of the things that I hope uh, people walk away with is that the characters that I put here are bigger than the expectations that people have that uh, in every one of my works, there has uh, definitely been an element about the importance of Black lives, the, the humanity uh, that happens there. And uh, 
the the commonalities that that people share all around the world. So, for example, my first book, which I cannot believe Matt Hawkins let me get away with this, and my first book was uh, Artifacts Number Thirty Five for uh, Top. Yeah, Man. and it had uh, the main the main character was this uh, uh, kind of he's kind of a bad person, but whatever. This gun runner, uh, and he was an, from Ireland or whatever. And you know, on the opening page, he's selling bulletproof vests and sniper rifles to the Nation of Islam in Chicago. Oh my gosh. Now, saying that out loud now would, you know, positively make, you know, Rush Limbaugh pro- probably wet himself in terror. <laughs> but nobody said anything through the whole creative process. I kept saying, they'll never, ever let them. And it's on the stands. Okay, this happened. <laughs> and every once in a while, people come up to me and convince me, like, I saw what you did in that book. <laughs> <laughs> I read it. <laughs> Like it's a secret. Like I didn't know that I did it, but that's amazing. Uh, to see, you know, there are goods and bads, ups and downs, humanity and 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 challenges and bravery and terror in all people, and and to try to get that experience uh, out there is probably the main goal of of the work that I'm doing, no matter what the specifics of the book are. I love that. That's really incredible, um, and I think that you're definitely doing it. Uh, we've loved all of your past work. Um, we love having you on all of our shows, but, you know, obviously comics are a huge part of who you are and the stories that you tell. And um, it's incredible to see all the things that you have coming out uh, really soon. <laughs> um, and then down the line, you know, I, I'm rooting for that Eisner. I haven't read it yet, but I bet it's great. <laughs> I <laughs> wish I could send it to you, but they would, they would, uh, the NDA is really cool. In, they, in I, April, I we'll have a follow up. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um but no, that's so wonderful. And I think, you know, you've had such an amazing career and, and have so much, obviously, ahead of you. Um, something I do kind of want to ask for people starting out in comics, what advice do you have um, for them? Because it's obviously a very different world today than it was in 99 <laughs> or even, you know, five years ago. Um, what advice would you would you share with our young young creators? Well, the first advice I tell anybody in any entertainment industry is uh, finish things. That uh, the difference between somebody with an idea and somebody with a product is that it was finished. Um, I, everybody's got ideas. Everybody's talking about ideas, blah, blah, blah. But the execution and the manifestation of them are the difference between the pros and the amateurs. And that's the first and most important line that someone has to cross. So. You know, when you're uh, when you're an artist, when you're a writer, when you no matter what you're doing, if you can put together a whole thing and have something to show, and more importantly, as Russell Nolte would say, have something to sell forever, then that's an important thing for your career because you did it for yourself and you own it, and people can see, oh wait, this isn't just somebody of some looky loo on the sidelines who's 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 talking trash. Uh, the second thing is the uh, mantra of my mentor Jeffrey Thorne, and uh, that is make new things. That, um, you know, while I probably could really nail a Bionic 6 reboot with the idea that's been stuck in my head for about seven years, I'd rather immediately push to make something new. Because if that comes along, I can do it, but I won't own it. Uh, I won't be able to say, you know, that this is my, this is my thing that I created and pushed into the world on my own. Um, I've worked on, I've worked on things that other people worked on before. I, I did a number of licensed things for, I think I could say that. Uh, I did a bunch of licensed things for Lion Forge that uh, I don't know if I ever saw the day, light of day because I'd say, but text cleared. And while it's it's possible to work in other people's universes, and I get the desire of people to do that, 
making new things is where creativity really happens, is where uh, possibility happens. That we wouldn't have Star Wars if they hadn't told George Lucas he couldn't have Flash Gordon. So he was like, okay, I can't have Flash Gordon. Let me show you this. And here we are. So, you know. That's um, amazing. That's a great point. Yeah, those are, those are, those are my t- finishing things and making new things are the most important things that a creator can do, regardless of their budget, regardless of their time, or regardless of what they got going on in their life. You know, if you, uh, if you're writing stuff in, in your phone in line at the supermarket, which I've done, if you're, <laughs> you know, sneaking off for a long bathroom break and typing on the toilet, which I have done. Um, these are the things that show the real creative process. <laughs> yeah. That, that you, it happens you, anywhere. Exactly. I, I always say, uh, you don't make comics because you want to. You make comics because you have to. It's not a job. It's a calling. That's actually a great quote. I, someone's going to steal that. Um, <laughs> I say it a lot. But so. my, my follow-up question was, with, your whole, with the finishing it statement, I know a lot of people, and me myself, like we want to finish things, but then we get writer's block or artist block or whatever it may be. What would your advice be for pushing through that? Um, when I get stuck on something, like, uh, there's a, a book that I have to, there's a, a, a outline that I have to finish right now that I'm not a hundred percent sure how to do. So when I don't know what to do that, I go do something else. I either go, you know, talk to my kids or I go for a walk or I start writing something completely different. And sooner or later, the idea will come to me. So like, I got stuck on this one outline, uh, for Project Wildfire that I have to get done. Um, and I was like, okay, but if I do that, I'm gonna blow up this other thing. If I do that, just, and I had kind of a paralysis of too many choices. So I switched off and I started writing something else. I think I started writing, uh, oh, I can't announce that one yet. Anyway, but I started writing something else. Uh, and I was, how many exciting secrets. (laughs) It's so hard because I've done so like, by the time something actually gets to market, I'm like, which thing? Oh, that thing. Right. (laughs) You're busy. So I start writing this other thing and I'm I'm going through it. And as I'm going through this one character that's perfect, I like I'm writing this character in this other thing that I'm loving it. I'm like, oh, because this is what the other guy would do. Save the file, close the file, open the other thing, start writing in there. That's amazing. <laughs> so when I come back to it, I'm like, ah, I did have the idea. Okay, good. I can just go back from this. Outlines have saved my life so many times because it's like it's like when you plug into something in ways. And it's, it'll never let you get away from that one point at the end of the map. So an outline is always like my way. I can always get back to the path of wherever I'm going, no matter how many turns I take. I love that. I don't think I've ever heard someone talk about an outline that way. And it's very true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, at least, you know, the stops along the way or the destination at the, you know, if nothing else, you can follow the path exactly. You can, you know, make a detour and it'll guide you back. <laughs> recalculating, recalculating. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> That's all of our brains. Um, that is awesome. You are awesome. It has been such thank a you. pleasure to talk with you. Um, thank you so much for being such a great friend to the Grand Geek Gathering um, and creating just amazing work. We are so stoked to read all of the things coming up and hear all of the secrets once they're finally able to be announced. Um, <laughs> where can we follow you online? Uh, I could be found using at sign Hannibal Taboo, H-A-N-N-I, B as in bounce, A, T as in tough, U, at uh, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Facebook, uh, probably MySpace, uh, maybe even Friendster, uh, oh, the serial space. number on your favorite Kwanzaa present and everywhere that you want to be. 
I love it. Um, you were awesome. We are really pumped for everything to come. Follow him, people. Go follow him. Lots of cool stuff coming our way. Um, thank you for being with us. And thank you, loyal listeners. We appreciate you. Um, it's 2021. We're really excited for all the things to come this year. Hopefully much better things than the previous year, although we've had some great comics. <laughs> At least we have that. Uh, check out our other podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and all podcast apps. We are everywhere. You can also check out our website, thegrandgeekgathering.com, for articles, videos, and more. Please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Let us know which of Hannibal's amazing comics you are the most excited for. Um, let us know as you pick them up, if you love them, uh, anything that you want to share. If you heard our little beagle puppy crying in the background, you can tell us about that too. Do you have a puppy? We just want to chat with you. Uh, you can also stay updated on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we stream on Twitch. The uh, intro is provided by Carlisle Laurent, and you can buy all of Hannibal's amazing comics um, online from your local comic book shop. Request them. You can also go to HannibalTaboo.com. He spelled it earlier, and it'll be down in the comments. Um, check it out. Come and join the gathering. Have a great week, and GGG. Brandon's dealing with a puppy. <laughs>